Luckley is going to talk today about um, peace dividends. Uh, Cal is from the business school here in UCD and uh, is um, kind of hanging out of Akiri a little bit these days um, and on his, uh, on his quiet moments. So I'm going to let you talk. You've got a, about an hour, so but no, you, great. you don't know how long you'll leave. That's true. <laughs> Thanks, Colin. <coughs> um, What I'm trying to do here is estimate a linkage between terrorism and tourism revenues to Northern Ireland and FDI to Northern Ireland. Now, why am I trying to do that? Why do I want to estimate this linkage? Well. <coughs> Of late, there's been a resurgence of dissident terrorist activity in the North. And an obvious question is, what kind of resources should be deployed with a view to mitigating for this resurgent dissident terrorist activity? From a purely economic viewpoint, from a purely economic viewpoint, <coughs> It's of interest to see what's the gain from peace? What's the gain from terrorist activities desisting? Because that gain should inform the amount of resources to be deployed to mitigate for terrorist activity. Now, Ultimately, we find a significant peace dividend per fatality as a result of terrorism in Northern Ireland. And I believe this should inform the magnitude of resources deployed to mitigate for terrorist activity. So what I've tried to do is just give you an intuition of all these slides, because this is hot off the press, as they say. So it's the first time presenting this material. So I'm trying to give you a little bit of intuition, just in case the slides ramble a little bit. Let's take a step back and let's look at terrorism globally, very briefly, albeit. It tends to be cyclical, peaking about the times of economic downturns and also about the times of general elections, as it happens. Another worrying, a worry, particularly worrying trait with regard to terrorism globally is that it's becoming increasingly lethal. There are increasing numbers of fatalities arising from terrorist activities. Now, against this grim backdrop of global terrorism, Northern Ireland data looks relatively hopeful. I'd like you to uh, filter out the green spectrum for a moment. Just ignore that. The, the things are a little ad hoc. But this line here, going back to 1970 and up to 07, is the total number of fatalities according to the US Depart Department of Homeland Security 
that occurred due to terrorism in Northern Ireland. As you can see, a general decline. I'm sure mo many of you, most of you, are familiar with this general storyline in any case. Nonetheless, since the uh, Good Friday Agreement, there remains um, terrorist activity stemming from particular splinter groups, Ogli Naharan, Continuity IRA, the Real IRA. And indeed, if we extend this US Department of Homeland Security data set to include the last couple of years, notice it ends at 07 here, and we use the, the Sutton Index, we find uh, another four fatalities in this interval. So it seems a general decline, but some dissident uh, terrorist activity. <coughs> so a natural question is, well, as a result of this terrorism, and more particularly per fatality, is there a minimum economic cost that arises due to each fatality from terrorism? If we knew that, we could estimate, given the number of fatalities per annum over the period of the Troubles, we could estimate a lower bound on the cost of terrorism and therefore inform the kind of resources that should be ascribed, purely from an economic angle, remember, to mitigating for this, uh, this uh, terrorist activity. I'm sorry. Oh, sure, yeah. Well, the Good Friday Agreement in 1999, quickly after the OMA bombings here in 98, did have a very material effect on the level of fatalities due to terrorism. But nonetheless, there are some fatalities due to dissident splinter uh, IRA-related groups in particular. Okay? And it's this dissident activity that raises the question whether more resources should be deployed with a view to suppressing this activity and how many resources should be deployed. And maybe the answer should involve looking at one aspect of the solution should involve looking at the average cost over the troubles arising from, from terrorism. Okay, so that's the, the overall idea. Okay. <clears throat> Generally speaking, the economic cost of terrorism, as uh, found in, in the literature, is small and transient. And indeed, looking particularly at uh, financial stocks, the effect seems to be particularly transient, possibly due to diversification effects. So why should we worry about this effect then if the general findings in the literature imply that the effect of terrorism, economically, of course, tends to be small, particularly relative to these other kinds of disasters, violent internal conflict, uh, external war, natural disasters? Well, the answer is, for the Northern Ireland context, that the effect of terrorism, when it's concentrated in a particular geographic region, 
and when it's high and persistent over time, can be much, much larger. And that's intuitive, of course. So Northern Ireland is a region that suffered high and persistent systematic terrorism for some 30 years. Now, <clears throat> those studies I mentioned largely arise post-2001. Despite the, the flurry of studies that have been conducted since 2001, there have been very, very few studies with regard to Northern Ireland, and no studies with regard to the impact on FDI and tourism revenues in Northern Ireland. So why is that? There are plenty of studies with regard to FDI and tourism revenues in other countries, but not in Northern Ireland. So why is that? Well, I'll, I'll jump to it now. The reason is that the studies that exist with regard to the impact on FDI and tourism of terrorism, these studies largely gather their data from IMS, IMF, International Financial Statistics, and the balance of payment statistics available from the IMF archives. Now, those archives, they relate to sovereign states rather than geographic regions. Northern Ireland is a geographic region. That data isn't readily available for Northern Ireland. So data on FDI, data on tourism revenue is not readily available for Northern Ireland like it is for sovereign states. As a result, I had to do a fair amount of groundwork in order to obtain this data set. And I'll, I'll dwell on that now in a moment. Okay. Um, why have I focused on these two sectors? There's plenty of evidence, including a contribution to the American Economic Review by Abadi and Gardia Zabal in 2003, indicating that international capital flows, net international capital flows in particular, decline as a result of terrorism. And there's also a, a, a bulk of evidence concerning the impact upon tourism revenues. Given the sensitivity of tourism revenues to sentiment and um, well, it's vulnerable to attacks on consumers. Okay, so what have we got so far? <clears throat> we have some dissident terrorist activity in a concentrated geographic region that has suffered high and persistent terrorism over the last 30 years or so. So it seems that, in principle, following the empirical and theoretical results, there should be a relation between terrorism, FDI, and tourism. If we could get a grip on that relationship, we could estimate a minimum value for the peace dividend, peace dividend arising from the discontinuation of, of terrorist activities. So let's have a look at our data. Um, the terrorism data comes from one source in particular. That's the U.S. Department of Homeland Security. Some of you might be familiar with the Sutton Index, 
which is more exhaustive with regard to terrorist activity. But this latter index, the Sutton Index, um, includes fatalities and incidents beyond Northern Ireland. So it wasn't included for this particular study. So I, might, I might take account of it later. FDI and tourism. Unfortunately, we couldn't rely upon the IMF, IMF statistical archives. So we had to turn to do a little bit of uh, swapping around now. Go into the article. Sorry about this, but uh, it's been a busy few days. So uh, we have here the data. Now, what I've done is um, <coughs> I've taken my terrorism data, as I say, from, uh, from the expanded. Expand yeah, you can change that percentage. Okay, maybe I can move this around with one of these things. Yeah. There isn't a whole lot I want to say here, but my terrorism data, as I say, comes from the global terrorism database from the US. Now, what I've done is I've taken data on incidents, fatalities, injuries, and I've summed up a couple of these. Right? So I've got different kind of proxies for terrorist activity. Um, turning to tourism, I got on to the Northern Ireland Tourist Board, and I um, calculated real values tapping into the Office for National Statistics. And again, I've got several proxy variables for tourism, right? Not just one, but several proxy variables. So the number of visits, foreign visits, domestic visits, and real total revenue. Now, there are plenty of interesting questions that might arise with regard to the calculation of a peace dividend. Um, we don't address them all here in this article. But we do uh, whittle down from this relatively large data set to particular series that uh, we argue are especially interesting. In any case, tourism data arises from the Northern Ireland Tourist Board after a fair bit of groundwork. And the foreign direct investment uh, data was obtained from Invest Northern Ireland, um, or the Industrial Development Board, as it was previously known. <coughs> Again, we've got ourselves a variety of, of uh, proxies for FDI. Okay, so I'll keep an eye on the time. Okay, I'll jump back here. So let's have a quick look at the let's have a quick look at the data, actual pictures with respect to the data. Then let's look at summary statistics and what's especially interesting about summary statistics. Then we'll turn to the modeling, the actual estimation of the peace dividend. Okay, so um, here, just for FYI, we have ourselves the uh, real foreign revenues, and they're growing in a healthy fashion, right? You can see that um, against the number of fatalities as sourced in the US Department of Homeland Security. Let's have a look at the real investment. Notice that the real investment is quite volatile and looks relatively stationary, right? It looks relatively, sta relatively stationary. So perhaps in our models, given that we're going to focus purely on stationary data at the moment, we may well be able to leave this total real investment in levels given it's stationary, given it appears to be stationary. And we might need to, we might need to adjust this uh, real foreign revenues um, from tourism, as it appears to contain a, a trend, perhaps a stochastic trend. So what we need to do is 
have a look at summary statistics. Okay, I won't go into the, the background of the various terrorist groups. I think it's kind of second order importance, so I'll just cut that down a bit. Okay, summary statistics. What do I want to draw your attention to here? Um, particularly, uh, our formal testing for the series of interest indicate that um, <coughs> most of them in first difference are stationary, but some in, in, in uh, levels um, are also stationary. So what we'll do is we will look at these series which proxy for terrorist activity, and these series which proxy for tourism revenues, and the other series which proxy for FGI, and let's just look at the unconditional pairwise correlations between the change in the number of fatalities, that's a stationary series, and these various proxies for FDI and for foreign, for foreign tourism revenues. So let's have a look at that. A very simple, basic uh, approach to, to the issue. Is there a relationship here between terrorism and, say, tourism? Is there a relationship between terrorism and FDI? Now, I'd like to draw your attention in particularly to this delta, delta fat. So what is this delta? This is the change in the number of fatalities per annum. Okay, the change in the number of fatalities per annum. And we have ourselves here um, a, a, a range of, or a, a number of series corresponding to tourism revenues. Okay, and they were all uh, uh, discussed on, on the previous slide. I'll draw your attention to the negative relation, pairwise unconditional negative relation which is most pronounced with regard to real foreign revenues or the change in real foreign revenues. So there's a lot of numbers here, but I just want to focus on one in particular. Um, the relationship contemporaneously between change number of fatalities and the change in real foreign revenues. You can see here that it's got quite a, quite a pronounced contemporaneous effect, but nonetheless, the other proxy variables for tourism also exhibit a negative impact, arguably, um, from a change in the number of fatalities. There's, they're, simply, uh, they're simply unconditional correlations um, with no standard errors associated. You know, I, I could use a delta, I could use a delta uh, method to compute a standard error of these nonlinear functions, but I haven't. Um, but we'll come on to statistical significance a bit later. These are purely kind of preliminary stuff. Thanks, Lord. Okay. okay, so we've got ourselves FGI and terrorist activity. So again, I'd like you to notice the change in the number of fatalities, contemporaneous pairwise correlation, pronounced negative effects, particularly with regard to, um, <clears throat> what have we got here? Real investment down the bottom here, and also uh, the, the job, the jobs promoted, but generally a negative relationship. So it looks like um, we might be onto a real, a real relationship here. Okay, let me just have a look at the time here. So, of course, we're concerned that these unconditional pairwise correlations might actually be spurious, right? How might they be spurious? Well, there might be dynamic effects over time. Moreover, there might be other variables impacting foreign direct investment and, and impacting tourism revenues, right? So, there's a particular modeling technique 
that seeks to address those weaknesses. That's to say this modeling technique, transfer function modeling, looks to capture the, the time series effects and in addition looks to control for variables that are omitted. Okay? At least partially, I think it's successful in doing that. Partially, at least, anyway. So this is called transfer function modeling. So what does a transfer function model look like? Okay. Well, a transfer function model can be written as this. So our yt here is something we're looking to explain. For example, our um, FTI, or our change in tourist revenues, right? We're wondering what impacts those, those proxies for tourism and for capital flows. These here are polynomials in the lag operator L. And we're especially interested in this polynomial in the lag operator L, CL. That's the transfer function. Why is it the transfer function? Well, because ZT, in fact, corresponds to our terrorism proxy variable. Right? That's to say, a change in the number of fatalities per annum. So we've got ourselves terrorism. How does that impact our capital, our capital inflows? And how does it impact revenue from tourism? While capturing time series effects here, and looking in particular at this polynomial, well, looking uh, also with this uh, polynomial in L here, because it captures the decay in the impact of terror the terrorism proxy variable on either our, our tourism revenues or our FDI over time. <coughs> now, in the literature, there are, there are two ways that are used to estimate the transfer function, right? The impact of terrorism on FDI or, or uh, tourism revenues. And the first way involves constructing something called a cross correlogram. Now, those of you who are a bit familiar with time series will be, will be familiar with uh, autocorrelation functions and partial autocorrelation functions. But here we've got ourselves a bit of a different situation. It's actually a, an ARMA model extended to include an exogenous variable. So we're interested in a cross-correlogram rather than an autocorrelation function or a partial autocorrelation function. So we could construct a cross-correlogram and look at the spikes and the, and the nature of the decay in those spikes in the cross-correlogram and use that information to inform the, or identify uh, the model that's relevant here. Alternatively, we could uh, adopt some kind of an information criterion and decide upon the lags that's to say the nature of these polynomials <coughs> um, by minimizing some information criterion. Now I know, I won't, I'll try not to dwell on this too much, okay? But we've got two different approaches. I was hoping to adopt both approaches to inform the model ultimately. But what happened is that <coughs> when I sought to create, to construct my cross correlogram using these steps here, so I won't go through them detail by detail, but when you construct a cross-correlogram in this context, we'll leave up the transfer function model. It's all about estimating this transfer function here. Uh, constructing a cross-correlogram involves filtering the YT series and the ZT series. That's to say, filtering the FDI or the tourism revenue and filtering the terrorism proxy variable as well. And with the filtered series, 
we can construct our cross-correlogram, which should inform the nature of the polynomials specified in this transfer function model. The problem is that our data set here is extremely small. So you're talking about some 30-odd years for the, for, the FD, for the FDI series, uh, no, for the, uh, for the tourism revenue series, and less than 20 years, in fact, a little less than 20 years for the, uh, for the FDI, for the capital inflow series. So small sample sizes. And what I normally do uh, as a financial econometrician is work with very large data sets where I can rely happily on asymptotic theory. All of a sudden, I was faced with these small data sets and inherent problems, but I did my best to grapple with them. It would be particularly interesting to hear any views you might have with regard to the estimation of this model with such small samples. Uh, I'd be very interested to hear. How does this differ Thanks. from the standard time series in econometrics? When you mention standard methods, I, get, I, I suppose you might be thinking about vector autoregressions. Yeah, the standard. Okay. So, you know, I mean, this could well be estimated using the vector autoregression, but the issue is that we're, we're assuming that the ZT is exogenous, right? Yeah. So you could impose that on a bar if you wanted to, uh, or else you could use a kind of a, a, kind of a uh, conceptual predecessor to a via this transfer function model. So how does it differ? Uh, it doesn't really, except we bring in this information and we assume the ZT to be exogenous, right, rather than assuming it to be endogenous as well, like, like a VAR will allow. It doesn't need to be endogenous, but the VAR allows that. So how does, it, how does it differ? It's just one more tool from the time series toolbox. So why is it better? I mean, there's just, you know, thousands better. of papers Remember, a cross-correlogram is just one way to estimate this model, right? Yeah. The other way that I'm using is an information criteria. Both are popular in, in the literature uh, that interrelates terrorism and, and, and capital inflows and tourism revenues. But, sure, you can use different ways to estimate this model. I've, I've adopted two approaches. The information criteria approach actually works rather well. So maybe I'm dwelling upon the approach that was particularly weak and perhaps that isn't such a good idea. But... Um, I just thought I'd bring you through my own, uh, my own adventure, my own experience in getting these models to be estimated. Any thoughts you have would be much very welcome anyway. Okay. So uh, you could use a cross-correlogram, alternatively minimize the uh, information criteria. Maybe I won't dwell on this so much then. I'll move, move it along a bit. <coughs> the cross-correlogram did suffer a bit uh, due to small sample size. But adopting these, uh, so this Akaika information criterion, what is it? It's a function of the residuals to the model. And actually, here we're looking at different models and we're saying, well, which function of residuals, uh, which model minimizes most this, these functions of residuals, right? And um, i.e. <coughs> maximizing the information in the model. Turns out that this Akaika information criterion following uh, Monte Carlo studies has very good small sample properties. So that, I was kind of happy to see that. However, the Schwartz Basing criterion is you know, well known to be asymptotically consistent. And um, so I, I use that as well, in fact. So the cross correlogram approach to estimating this transfer function model didn't work too well. However, the minimization of the information criteria did work well. So let's focus on the results from that particular approach. Okay, 
Let's jump to the results. Uh, one concern about estimating temperature. Well, you can't see them. Well, your, your, your litmus test at the back there, are you? Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, can you see that? Yes, or does it? Okay. Um, this is the transfer function model that seeks to uh, quantify the relation between uh, FDI and terrorism, right? Um, it's a very parsimonious model. Now that's kind of, um, that's good news, particularly given small sample sizes, um, and also given an inherent weakness of the information criteria approach to specifying these transfer function models. So you have only one right hand side variable? I do, that's right, yeah. I only have one, one explanatory variable. It's not really credible though, is it? Well, uh, you're concerned about the omitted variable problem naturally, right? Yeah. Okay. There's aggression from the front seat here, very good. Uh, well, I take, absolutely take your point, right? But there is the counter-argument to the point, I mean, it's one that I'd be concerned about myself. The counter-argument to the point, though, would be that um, we are looking to capture, uh, we do capture with the other elements of this transfer function model right-hand side, systematic effects in the left-hand side, right? This, by the way, is the classic counter-argument to your point. Are there omitted variables? Well, if this was just a linear regression model, then immediately, you'd have yourself your limited variable problem, you'd be concerned about bias and so forth in, in your parameter estimate, right? But the counter-argument raised here, and I'm not saying it's exhaustively correct, but I'm saying it partially addresses the problem. What it does is it includes time series effects if they're available on the right-hand side, right? So the parameter of interest, which is gamma, that's our transfer function parameter, that, that parameter of interest is estimated while controlling for these other time series effects. Now, I'm not saying it's perfect. Uh, what, I, what, I, what I'm saying is that there, your argument, I, if I can try to put it into a nutshell, is that there are various factors, of course, that influence our left-hand side variable, right? Our FDI, for example, okay, our tourism revenue. Now, <clears throat> to the extent that those factors persistently affect our left-hand side variable, they're going to leave a systematic pattern in our, our left-hand side variable, right? Now, if we capture that systematic pattern on the right-hand side via the lagged left-hand side variable, right? Or kind of variable. Exactly, yeah. It's an autoregressive distributed lag model. Well, you have to be very lucky for that to happen. I mean, that's, that's not really it. If you're very lucky to, to capture it in that you're way, is saying, it? Oh, well, if I put enough lags of the Y, that will magically pick up all my omitted X. Well, I, I am not quite saying that, right, because you've brought my argument to an extreme. What I'm saying is that it partially picks up the effects in Y. It might be as good as including the other, the other variables, but that's, uh, it addresses the point partially, if not exhaustively. And that would be, be my understanding of, of this approach. But could you include the variables? Could, of course, absolutely, yeah. And it, good point, Orla. I mean, in fairness, you, you, could, you could add other variables, sure. Now, remember, you know, you won't always, you know, 
But the, this is a, uh, I won't dwell too long on this, but I'd like, it's a, I think it's a very helpful discussion, to be honest. Um, we obviously won't be able to exhaustively capture all the variables that impact upon a left-hand side variable. So it is interesting for us to capture time series systematic effects in the left-hand side variable. Even if we do include other uh, possibly, <coughs> probably currently omitted explanatory variables. So I think, I suppose, to, to kind of move on, I concede your point, absolutely. It, it, it might be a good idea to include omitted variables. The only counter-argument that I have to your point is that um, we are trying to capture systematic effects, even if we don't know the nature, the, uh, the explicit nature of those systematic effects on our left-hand side variable. I'll come back to you at the end about that. Do, please, actually, I, I'd be delighted to, because uh, this is clearly going to come up again. <laughs> Orla, yeah. Sure, sure. These are what you have. You have FDI, you have tourism, and you have terrorism. Mm. Northern Ireland's geographical region, not actually a, you know, in, but so it is actually affected by what's going on in the geographical region that it's associated with. So how do you look at that? And FDI has been increasing over time. Is it following exactly the same pattern if you look at the UK, like if you look at other, the, the region that it's associated with? Yeah, I see. I see what you're saying, yeah. That's a good, that's a nice actually, yeah. So you could see if, uh, if you could say, well, what's happening to other FDI series? And then you're wondering, well, is it very different? Yeah, like for example, the general UK area or the Republic of Ireland, I suppose. It's a good point, and it could be a way to partially address again for omitted variables. So, I know, partially, exactly, yeah. And maybe the, the, you know, the ultimate is to do every, all these things, right? To bring in a set of omitted variables if they're available. Obviously, this is tricky in Northern Ireland, right? Because there's a, a limited data availability, right? But uh, that's a very. Mm, absolutely, yeah. So, okay, I will, I will have a look at that. Thank you very much. That's very good. Okay, thanks. The lifetime, yeah. the lifetime and the appreciation of the inputs of one or the other um, might not be the same in those two categories. It might take longer for the FTI people to realize what's going on. Them, Absolutely. You're, I, I agree. And, well, I mean, I'm not sure which way it would go, but I take your point. There could be there could be a time dynamic. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I do try at least to, to address that idea by allowing um, the data to inform a model that reflects time decay that differs across FDI and tourism revenues. So, you know, your point is absolutely valid. Like that's what we're trying to do here. It doesn't appear to have an impact in this model estimation. In the next model, we do have a lagged effect. Um, so in other words, there seems to be a, <coughs> a, 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 an abrupt effect on FDI um, impacting terrorism, while, or terrorism impacting FDI, I mean, while there seems to be an abrupt and a lagged, more so a lagged effect interacting uh, terrorism and tourism revenue. So your point is absolutely right. Yeah, and the model does at least try to, to capture that, that idea. So. Um, we have some diagnostic tests here. We focus on three in particular. This is, this is, this is the information criteria idea. Okay, I'll wrap it up in the next few minutes. So, so we have ourselves several uh, models here, and we select the specification that uh, minimizes the information criterion. Of course, this is just conventional, uh, basic humdrum time series stuff for those who have been exposed to it previously. Um, comfortingly, well, necessarily our model, even if it is misspecified, does remove autocorrelation in the residuals, um, which of course is necessary, not just comforting. 
Um, so you can see that these are all indistinguishable to zero, small sample size. I haven't got standard errors in there, but you calculate them in your, in your head very easily. Uh, the variance is just one over T adjusted for degrees of freedom. Sorry, what's N here? What's N? Uh, what's N? Where, where is N? How many observations? Oh, sorry. Okay. Uh, what do we have here? FDI. So FDI, you know, we're only talking about around 20 for FDI, right? It's annual observations. This is, a, this is a real issue here. Now, tourism revenue, by the way, we've got like north of 30, right? So, I mean, you know, a relatively big sample size. Um, but yeah, N is small, right? And it's small. Nonetheless, we do manage to capture um, autocorrelation in our FDI and tourism revenue series uh, via this very parsimonious model and in the other instance, a kind of a similarly parsimonious model. Moreover, the Granger causality tests do indicate that the vector autoregression modeling uh, would not be supported in this instance and that a transfer function model is, is the way to go. Okay. Now, what I'm going to do is actually bring us right on to conclusion now, but I'd be very glad to go back on the econometrics afterwards if, if anyone would like to. So there are the, uh, the write-up of the results. Concluding remarks. Well, one quick glance at that again, actually. Uh, <coughs> so for the tourism revenue, we've got this contemporaneous effect of minus 0.26 million uh, per fatality. For the FDI, we've got a relatively large effect of minus 2.68 million uh, pounds sterling in 2009 prices as a result of the uh, change in the number of, one unit change in the number of fatalities. So just gathering those, those ideas together, we can sum those two effects and uh, estimate uh, 3.69 million pounds sterling uh, economic cost stemming from capital inflows and stemming from tourism revenues as a result of a death following from terrorism in Northern Ireland. Of course, this is a lower bound. That's why that's in the title of, of the project. Clearly, there will be many other, there are most likely many other economic effects as well. But what I'd like to see, where I'd like to see this initiative going is trying to model this lower bound increasingly with a view to better and better understanding it. If, if we had, I'm not saying this is a great grip on the lower bound of the peace dividend in Northern Ireland, but if we did have an estimate of the lower bound on the peace dividend in Northern Ireland, that would necessarily <coughs> inform, from an economic viewpoint, the optimal amount of resources to be deployed with a view to counteracting dissident terrorist activity in Northern Ireland. So I'll leave it at that. Okay, thanks. Any questions would be very welcome. Any, any questions or, or comments and suggestions would be very welcome indeed. As you can see, this is a beginning. Uh, just one thing occurred to me that, you know, tourists come from different places. Um, and you might think that their responses are very different. So I don't want to offend anyone in the room, but you know, people from some countries are kind of scaredy cats and you know, bomb here or there and they all kind of run away. Where, I mean, I suspect they, a lot of Northern tourism is from the south, and we're kind of used to it, you know? So I think the tourism from the south probably less responsive 
you know, from other parts of the world. Mm-hmm. Where you can get a handle on that, I don't, I don't know. Uh, and I, I think also in the North tourism industry, when they kind of knew that you know they lost the American market, <coughs> may have put more effort into getting customers from the South. Mm-hmm. So, so there may be some some lack of them. I suspect you're right. Um, also, we have better information. You know, I mean, it's one thing. You know, it's a bit of trouble in the North going across the borders. No big deal. Whereas if you're thinking of making a long trip. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I suspect you're absolutely right. Yeah. And I think that the numbers I'm looking at are naturally some kind of net measurement. And all that kind of stuff goes on behind the scenes and is manifested in these summary statistics ultimately. Yeah. Now, you could have very interesting sub-questions that relate at the decomposition, the sensitivity to this area and that area. A next step, definitely, right, as opposed to... A, as opposed to a, mm-hmm. Oh, very good. Um, international tourists spend more than us going. Oh, yeah, yeah. So actually, the, the effect of international is just, this tourists is disproportionate to the effect of southern going. Mm-hmm. Unless we're doing shopping there, of course. Are we tourists if we go? Are we tourists? <laughs> um, no, Maybe I should bring tax- relative marginal tax rates into this, should I? Yeah, <laughs> um, depends yeah. how, they, how they define a tourist. Is it hotel revenue or something? Yeah, you're right. Actually, it, they do look at bed nights and, and uh, hotel revenue is, is the primary uh, measurement. They also uh, measure the flow of numbers. Now, I haven't actually focused on any numbers here, but it is in the data set and do, does demonstrate the same kind of negative relationship with terrorism. They look at the numbers entering the country at the different points of entry. Now, I know that the border is kind of um, uh, not not uh, monitored, but uh, so these, these questions are, are, these questions are you know, very, very interesting, and the data is kind of here to address them partially. But ultimately, you know, whatever about the dynamics that impact um, the revenues earned from tourism or the numbers, we have the, some estimate of the ultimate numbers here. And the question is, how do those aggregate numbers actually respond to terrorist activity? More, more importantly, how do the revenues from those numbers respond to terrorist activity? Well, yeah. <coughs> hard to measure, but could be quite important, is the number of, uh, of uh, business uh, contacts between North and South in both directions. That's not the same as tourism, and it's not the same as everybody, no. mm-hmm. but it should have life of its own. And the indications are is that that's much smaller than it should be. And if if things were to be resolved, they ought, um, it ought to be much larger <coughs> to the advantage of the country as a whole. That's worth exploring. Um, I think it definitely is. I think it does inform the true peace dividend, right? Yes, I mean, exactly. if, if these if these relationships grow and if they're productive, then that should result in, in a greater peace dividend. Yeah, um, so, this yeah. is the anti-Polic type of um, uh, country, I think. I mean, he's, he's, I forget the name of the journal, but it comes out every year and it has uh, 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 papers on it on, on the, the effect on the um, 
Uh, the aftermath of the group of Hajj agreement, one way or another. You said Andy Pollock, is it? Andy Pollock, is it? I, I, I looked that up, so. Okay. Thank you very much. Okay, I looked that up, yeah. Okay. Great. Yeah, Orla. It's not primarily economics, by the way. It's, it's across the spectrum. It's not just economics, right? Right. Oh, yeah, sure, yeah. I yeah, know this, this paper necessarily takes a very narrow focus, but, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah, Orla. No. That's it. It's only annual, um, which is which is a difficulty, you know. It's only available annual, and only since about '85, you know. So that's a real. That's why Northern Ireland has achieved so little. I mean, Northern Ireland is a is a flashpoint for terrorism in the last half century globally, right? And yet, the number of studies that focus on, on Northern Ireland. Well, I learned of one more here earlier today from Besley, right? Yeah. But uh, there's another one. Oh, thanks very much. That's great. Oh, so. Um, just turn this off. Sorry about that. Um, and there's another article by Frey that looks at the utility cost of terrorism in Northern Ireland, but no article looks at the impact um, on FDI and tourism, as I say. Anyway, you were saying, yeah, so it only goes back to 86, 87, only annual, unfortunately. Otherwise, quarterly would be great, you know, just not there. As far as I know, anyway, if you come across it, let me know. I was wondering about potential non-linearities in the effects of terrorism, so the relative effects of 30 fatalities per annum versus, say, 10 mm. fatalities Globally, there are strong threshold effects or non-linear effects insofar as there's only a small transient, transient economic impact of terrorism in dispersed geographical regions where terrorism is not at a high and intensive level, right? But as, as you move to a concentrated region, where you've got a high intensive terrorism, there's a non-linear impact upon these economic proxy variables, right? So globally, sure. Um, so in the micro sense, um, gosh, it, so that's, I, I would agree globally, it seems to be evident in, in, in the data. Uh, and I'm kind of a relatively micro sense here, it, it, most likely non-linearities are there too, but remember to detect non-linearities, it can get tricky with such very, well, yeah. I'm aware of a number of diagnostic tests for non-linearities I've done a bit of work on, and they're all rely upon asymptotic theory, right? And mind you, I'm relying on asymptotic <coughs> theory anyway in certain regards up here. So uh, non-linearities shouldn't, shouldn't be ignored. It's a fair point, actually, yeah. Because, you know, you've got the OMA bombing in, in, in 98, and you've got a number of other uh, concentrated periods of bombing too. It would be interesting to look at whether there's a, a disproportional reaction. Mm -hmm. I'm going to my, my, my second okay. point about potential structural breaks, because I think... I noticed something Should in look at the data. 1993, um, where there was a, a massive change in the, is it, yeah, 1993 in the, in the level um, of terrorism. So terrorism and, yeah, and there's the full. In 91, well, it begins maybe in 91, maybe a. In my models, um, you know, I, f I find that this aggregate series of the number of fatalities is uh, non-stationary, so I use differences, right? Uh, but you're, you're looking, for example, at these these rather big jumps here, yeah. and clearly from well, it begins there, so I suppose. Um, but so structural breaks and non-linearities uh, are, I'm sure, relevant, although particularly tricky to properly address given lack of data. But I'll keep in mind actually, and I'll think about it, yeah because it's worthwhile at least uh, referring to. Mm -hmm. What about the composition of the fatalities? Um, I can do that. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just bad guys killing other bad guys. Nice question, yeah. Why yeah. would you 
you know, convince the civilians, I think, yeah. rightly or wrongly, may generate a greater reaction. Yeah, uh, I know. Actually, I have a decomposition of the fatalities and the injuries and the incidents according to, you know, whether they're security forces or non-civilians and so on. Even go down to religious background and so on. Yeah. You know, um, so there's a whole wealth of different kind of questions that can be addressed here. Um, and again, it's like earlier you were talking about decomposing the tourism flows, and now about decomposing the actual victims of the terrorism, and, and all of it uh, pertains to the question. Uh, of what is the peace dividend, given this naturally should be relevant with regard to optimal allocation of resources. Um, yeah, I think that if we could decompose it, we could say we could possibly we could remove those individuals, as you say, the bad guys getting the bad guys, right? You make it a stronger effect then, possibly. Or maybe look at infrastructure, right? If infrastructure is being blown up, maybe that's more important than fatalities for FDI, particularly if the infrastructure is in the sector where the FDI is flowing, you know. I mean, some of the tech, I mean, some of what went on in Northern Ireland, you know, if you're setting up a business or you're running a business, you know, somebody came along and was looking for money and didn't hand it over, you got kneecapped. So that's, yeah, and that, that's well away. That's the, the reality on the ground, the indirect yeah. effects of these, uh, these incidents, I suppose. And, um, do, you know, do you know what, though? I was looking just before I gave, uh, came here to give this, this talk. I was looking at uh, car accidents in Northern Ireland. And uh, of late, uh, you're talking about north of 100 per, per annum, right? North of 100 car accidents per annum. Now, if you look at um, the Sutton Index of fatalities, uh, which is much more exhaustive than the US Homeland Security one that I've used here, on average over the Troubles, you're talking about 90 deaths per annum, right? So about 90 deaths per annum during the period of the Troubles as a result of terrorism, it could be a comparable figure for car accidents, right? I'm not sure. I've only seen the last couple of years for car accidents, right? So what you see and what they argue in the literature, in fact, is kind of an irrationality, right? Where people become fearful. And that's why there's such a significant implication um, from the terrorist activity with regard to the economy, which where it isn't, doesn't arise from the car accidents. Now, mind you, car accidents aren't going to take over, right? Yeah. <laughs> Terrorism activity could blow up and become much more serious. But I think it's an interesting point to see that the numbers are kind of comparable. Per annum. Well, yeah, I mean, in the US, about 40,000 people die every year on the roads. Uh, but that's September 11. People are, are used to, you know, whereas if 100 people die in the terrorism, it's, it's a big deal. That's, that's, I don't mm. know, the US is not peculiar in that. Okay. We, well, we just sensitized or desensitized to some, some risks. Yeah, you know. uh, sure. We kind of accept that this that will happen, but not, not the terrorism. That's true. It's true. I, so I don't know if it's irrational, but this is one of the one of the. Uh, yeah, no, there is stuff on that. Uh, there is. You're not too convinced by it. No, I mean, yeah, people, the kind of behavioural type stuff. I don't, I don't know. I thought actually it would, it would find an audience. Yeah, might be an interesting idea. Because you know it can be very expensive. If, if it is irrationality, then you can show just how expensive it is, and perhaps that can be curtailed by education or. So thank you very much for, for, for being a really good audience. Thanks very much for your comments and questions. Any thoughts you have at all, be delighted to receive them by email or, or but now or whatever. Okay, thanks very much. Okay. I'd be delighted to, yeah. yeah.